This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, August 16th, 2022, and I do appreciate you being with me. I'm Steve Peasley, and of course, I look forward to doing this Invest Talk podcast every day. Well, not every day anymore, uh, but I share it with Justin Klein, as you know. And I enjoy hearing and answering any of your financial investment questions. That's what this is about. Your questions. What do you want to know? What can I help you with? I can answer any financial question, and if I don't have the answer, I'll tell you. I don't have a problem with that. My telephone number is always open, waiting for your calls. It's any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's 888-99-CHART. So we're live right now. And I do have a pretty busy podcast today, but your calls always come first. My focus point, five signs of investment speculation. So how do you know if you're speculating on a stock, in other words, gambling, or investing in the stock? Well, there's certain things you can see in the investment that you're thinking about or or considering as to it being in a very speculative position, one that... I'm not saying never invest in, but rarely invest in a very speculative position. So I'll talk about those so you can recognize what you're doing. So you need to know these lines. Okay, there is a fine line between investing and gambling. And we're going to talk about that. Time permitting, I also have a few subjects I want to discuss. Uh, Chinese, The China slowdown, their economic slowdown that's going on right now. Housing stats came out. Talk about those. I, you know, a reason why I talk about housing stats so often is because it affects most of us. Okay, and will will consumer credit deepen the recession that we're in? Remember, we're in a technical recession. Even though we have full employment, we're still in a technical recession. And will consumer credit deepen it? We know the inflation is a problem. Everybody thinks it's peaked. I think it has too, but you never know. I think it's peaked. Um, but, you know, there's other causes of a recession, not just high inflation. So, And then high inflation makes the Fed raise interest rates, and raising interest rates will cause a recession. But there's other causes of recession too, and one of that is too much debt, and we'll talk about that. So those are the, the things I want to get to, but we may not. We may not have that. Also, there are some voice bank questions we'll hopefully get to. I'll play them. Talk about uh, Ingalls Markets, Inc. or Hershey Company. A couple, three questions. My trivia question today concerns debt. Most InvestDoc listeners are working towards a goal of having no debt. But what happens if you die unexpectedly with lots of debt? What happens to the debt? Who's responsible for it? We'll talk about that. So we've got all this planned out on this episode, so you need that, plus your calls, so you can call right now, 888-99-CHART. So how did the market do today? Well, the Dow was up uh, 239 points, the NASDAQ was down 25, 
and the SP was up eight. So it wasn't a bad day necessarily. Uh, we're still ha- having that little rally coming off the bottom, and it's been what about a month and a half or so. And uh, you know, how long will it go? Will it break its old highs of last January? We're not even close yet to that, but will it? Okay, uh, that's really the key for a new bull run. But uh, you know, you can miss a lot of uh, movement if you if you don't get in when the getting's good. And how do you know when it was good? You know, no one knows what the bottom is. No one, no one rings a bell. Doesn't happen. Okay, so let's get right to our very first question. So here it is from our voicemail. Hello, Invest Talk. This message is more so for Justin. Because I know he stands by the stock more so than Steve does. I'm calling in regards to Playboy. P-L-B-Y is a stock symbol. It looks like it missed earnings. And it's down at around 17%. I just want to see if this is still a buying opportunity and see maybe what, what you guys are doing with this holding. Thank you so much. Well, I don't care. If, I don't care for the fact that they missed earnings. Sales are still, still very well, okay? But, you know, it's a very speculative stock. It's Playboy PLBY. Uh, they're selling for $5.45. Uh, uh, when they came out for as a public company in 2020, they came out around $10, shot up to 50, and now back down to $5.45. So is it a buy? Well, sales growth is really strong, but growth stocks aren't in favor now. So this is a growth position that no one likes at this point. So um, if you own it, I probably hold on to it. I certainly wouldn't take any new fl- new position in it. And it depends on your time horizon. This is a very speculative stock. But just know that you're speculating on this stock, okay? We're heading into a break. As you know, Justin Klein and I are happy to play your recorded voicemail questions. But we love live, talk, live calls, too. So please call. Our number is always the same. 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor 888-99-CHART. stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk quiz. 
888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Well, let's talk about the five signs of speculation. Are you a speculator? Are you speculating on these stocks or are you investing in them? So speculation means, you know, you're not paying attention to the fundamentals necessarily. You're not. Okay, so one of the signs is there's no track record because that would be paying attention to the fundamentals. So they don't have a track record. They're speculative. They're brand new. They have nothing. They have a good story. Usually that's what a speculative stock is, a good story. So they have no track record. They also have a lack of cash quite often. They have to produce the cash. And how they do that? Issue more shares, borrow money. Those are the things that you can look for. Where, where are they getting, how are they burning through the cash? How are they burning through expenses? They gotta, money's got to come from somewhere. And they don't have a treasure chest of cash to get them off the ground. If they're a speculative stock, you know, they need to have some cash to get to a business, you know, sales and cash flow positive. Three, one of, one of the things that really irritates me is when someone tells me that this company has a secret that no one else knows that, you know, they'll share it with a you, only you. If you invest, you know, that's very suspicious, extremely suspicious. Don't buy into secrets or something special. It's not usually true. Really isn't. Ignoring history. Okay. Um, Let's see. How can I explore and explain that? There's been umpteen decades of people saying they have a cure for cancer. The biotechs and everything have cure, cure for cancer. Cure, we have the cure for cancer. And history tells you they have been working on this forever, and they don't. No one's just going to come up with a cure for cancer. It's going to be well documented, well known. So don't ignore history when you're dealing with these companies. Don't ignore the history of speculative stocks usually going out of business. Most of them go out of business. Don't ignore that kind of history. Okay. Um, and special membership that you know they invite you this you know they invite you to come in as a as privileged member of their inner group uh-huh sure uh-huh as long as you have the money <laughs> anybody who had the money yeah uh-huh so those are the kinds of things you're looking for now I, 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 speculation can be very lucrative okay it can be I'm not saying never speculate, but you have to have your eyes open. And any money you put in a speculative position, you need to be prepared to lose every dime. Most of them lose all the investment. Most of them do, no matter how good their story is. So be very careful. I mean, it's, it's, it's tantamount to gambling when you speculate. So just be very careful. Okay, let's squeeze in another question, a caller question, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin, this is Art from Tucson again. have another stock I'd love to have your opinion on. Ingalls Market, I-M-K-T-A. It's a Southeast grocery store chain. Seems to be doing really well. It's highly rated. It still looks pretty cheap here, but uh, I can't get that much data on it and uh wondering what you thought about it 
and uh, where a good buying point would be for this stock. I do not yet own it. Wondering if I should pick it up, and if so, at what level. Thanks for the info, and I'll look to listen on the podcast. Appreciate all you do. Thanks. Okay. Uh, the symbol that you gave, I am TKA. I am KTA. I've done both of those, by the way. Uh, okay, that's Ingalls Market. Okay, that came up. Uh, operates 198 supermarkets in Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, Alabama, under Ingalls and Save More names. It makes money. Uh, it made a ton of money in 2021, the COVID years. And you know, if you're looking at stocks, you're going to have to deal with a COVID year or two that that made stocks either make no money or make a lot of money and you got to kind of have to ignore that smooth that over they're going to make five dollars and ten cents this year and 565 okay and that's up from the years before covid you know they were making four dollars or so so they're it's growing about 14 15 16 percent and the last, you know, sales in the last three or four quarters. So that's good. They don't pay. They pay a very small dividend, seven tenths of one percent. Cash flow is very strong, nineteen dollars and thirty one cents, and it's a ninety seven dollar stock going to make five dollars and ten cents. So you're looking at a what? A, almost a twenty p nineteen pe, and that's the five year range is three to thirteen. So it's very expensive. Turn equity is very good at twenty eight percent. Mutual funds are slowly buying, and I think I think you're a little too late for the party on this. I think you got to wait for a pretty deep pullback before. I think if you can get it in the 60s somewhere, remember it's 97 now, that would be a good price to buy this at. Okay, not here. Too expensive. Most grocery stores or food stores have operate on pretty fine margins, pretty tight margins. So I would take a look at the margins, see if their margins are contracting or expanding. That, and I don't have that in front of me, but that's one of the things I look at when I'm talking about food. I don't, I don't, you know, food stores are not my favorite. Okay, they're just not. Okay, iTunes question from MM072. I'm 55 years old with what most CPAs would consider an appropriate amount of money saved for retirement as long as I continue my current savings trends. I have all my children's college and postgraduate college funded in 529s. Boy, that's really great. Can you briefly discuss the pros and cons of having a company like yours manage a large percentage of my retirement funds versus putting the same amount in Vanguard target retirement funds, such as a Vanguard Retirement 2035? I've talked about this in the past. Um, I don't like... I don't like uh, funds, uh, the uh, funds of funds. And target funds are funds of funds. In other words, in the 2000-2035 fund, they own mutual funds. I don't like the double dip in the price and the uh, fees. Also, uh, funds, it, you know, when they get close to retirement, they buy more and more bonds. And if interest rates are rising, the value of the bonds go down. And therefore, your portfolio value go down. I don't like that either. But if you own the bonds directly yourself in your portfolio, you get to hold the maturity and it always goes back to par and you don't have to worry about that. And that's the advantage of having, one of the advantages of having a money manager manage your portfolio. He buys the individual bonds directly and puts them in your portfolio instead of a fund, mutual fund that does that. Okay? 888-99-SHART. This is Talk. Give me a call. I want to talk to you. 888-992-4278. 
Each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. I make them into easier to understand elements. Each question is tackled live without pre-screening, and some topics are more challenging than others. And that's a good thing because it allows every Invest Talk caller to shape the content of the podcast. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99 Chart. Hi, Justin. After hearing you talk about the Inflation Act, I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol ABBV ABV. I've owned them for two years now and I'm up about 50%. With a recent drop on them, they're trading at a PE of 20, forward PE of 12, I believe, which seems like it's in the low or middle of its five year range. They do have a dividend yield of about 4% which is a payout of 82%, which is a little high, so I'm wondering if it's sustainable. Technically, it's below all the moving averages, but hovering around the 200-day, I see resistance here around 138 to maybe again at 116. I know with a company like this, I'm banking on the pipeline and drug patents, but with the potential headwinds in the industry, what are your thoughts? It's about 2% on on my portfolio. Thank you in advance. Well, I like it. AbbVie, uh, a symbol A-B-B-V, develops pharmaceutical products to treat immunology, virology, and oncology and other diseases. Uh, they are consistently, they have been consistently profitable and, and their earnings have gone up and so has their sales. The sales are slowing. Okay, they are a $251 billion company, huge. So sales are slowing, and you're right. You want to look at the pipeline to see how you know strong that is going forward and what their patents look like, and do they have a patent cliff? In other words, you know they're going to have patents that run out. You want to take a look at that. But AbbVie is a very good, well-run company paying 4% dividend, and I don't think the dividend is danger because cash flow is $13.15 a share. It's $142 stock. So it's not cheap, and it's right in the middle, as you suggested, of their range or PE range. Um, but you know, management owns one percent, and funds own thirty-eight percent. So you still have room for funds to keep buying. They went from thirty-five hundred funds a year ago to forty-one hundred now. So I, I, I like it. I, this would be a long-term hold. I put it in my portfolio and probably just ignore it. That's what I would do. If you're a trader, you know that's a whole different thing. But you know, most traders don't buy these type of blue, big blue chip stocks. So I'd hold on to it. That would be my opinion. ABBV, ABV Inc., drug company. 888-99 chart. So um, China is slowing down. The jobless rate for 16 to 24 year olds in, 16 to 24 year olds in China is 19.9%. I only bring up that group, young people. Because that's the people that are uh, that would cause any unrest. In other words, they would be the ones who would, you know, walk in the streets, despite how dangerous that is. Nineteen point nine percent is a record high for China. Okay, and the part property slump, the 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 one that they've been in for a while, is getting worse, not better. It's getting worse. GDP uh, growth is below 4% this year. That's getting worse. And they're going to cut interest rates because they're falling into a recession. They're, you know, for them, this is very, very low growth for them. And there's things they can do, the central government can do, but they wouldn't be healthy long term. So, And they, 
I think China's in world of trouble, and we're finally seeing the cracks starting to develop. You know, they've been in trouble a long time because they've been ignoring the property problem for years now. But it's getting so that people are getting very upset. And it's different than our property problem, people. Their property problem is people would buy buy an apartment in a high-rise. That's their homes. And then they might buy two or three more. These buildings are not even built yet. They're not built. And they're speculating on the value of those properties going up. And the property, uh, the property builders are out of money. They can't build them. They haven't built them. And the, 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 the mortgages people have on them, they're not paying them anymore. Not, I mean, I'm not talking about all of them, but a, more, a larger and larger percentage are starting to do that. And that's it, going to be a big problem. Now, the central government can come in and try to support that, uh, the builders. But so far, they've been, they've been pretty selective of what they want to do. So I'm not saying that that's going to collapse the, that whole sector, but it needs to be readjusted really sharply downward. We've done it here in the United States many times where, you know, prop speculate. Look at 2008. Happened in 1974, 75. We, we've done it several times here um, where, you know, a lot of pain, recession to get through it. And of course, China doesn't want to look at recession. They don't want. To, they don't want to deal with recession, but they're going to have to. Okay. Um, I usually uh, have a trivia question on Tuesday, so let's let's get to it now. I think most investors listening to this podcast expect to expect to finance their retirement properly and have little or no debt when their t- when that time comes when we retire, but. There are no guarantees. So, as we go to break, here's my trivia question. What happens to your debt after you die? After break, I will supply the answer. But for now, my phone lines are open, and I encourage you to, to I encourage you to give me a call. Give me your invest talk questions. I want to hear them. 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. 
As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. It's an Invest Talk Tuesday. Steve Peasley is here today taking your calls live. How's your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing market volatility? You've got questions, so call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Okay, remember the question before the trivia, trivia question before the break? And that was, what really happens uh, to your debt once you die? What happens to the debt? Okay, um, so let's go ahead and get to it. Whether it's debt from a mortgage or... You know, personal loans or car loan or anything, outstanding payments, credit cards, bills, whatever. Debt can be a serious issue to contend with for your estate. But what happens to that debt? The good news is that most of your debt passed in onto your estate rather than your heirs. So your estate has to pay for it. Heirs, which means that the money for what you owe is likely to be taken from your estate rather than your loved ones. They usually don't have to pay any of it. However, the rules for a deceased person's debt can be complex. It's not always that simple. It's worth looking into the federal student loans are among the only types of debt to be commonly forgiven at death. In the short term, we have here, I will look into a, a, a few categories of debt. Medical bills, ECAID has different rules on how medical debt is handled after you die. However, medical debt is usually the first debt to be settled by an estate. If you receive Medicaid after turning 55, your estate will likely claim your house to recoup the payments you receive. Car loans, after car loans, it's a type of secured debt, which is, in this case, means the loan itself is secured by the actual car. So the, you may lose the car, you know, may lose the car. That's very possible. Mortgage, of course, you know, if there's any value in the house. So just know that the estate is responsible for the debt of someone who dies. Okay? Generally speaking, that's what happens. That's where it goes. To the estate. Now, is there things you can do to try to try to protect the estate from debt? Well, there are uh, irrevocable trusts is one way to look at it. And you need to talk to your, you know, your your attorney, estate attorney, to find out about that kind of stuff. 
Okay? So, that's what you do. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Justin and I have said many times that we appreciate our diverse Invest Talk audience. And in fact, we receive caller questions from across America and around the world. So let's take a question now, this time from an Invest Talk listener in Singapore. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Pam from Singapore. I'm calling about 3M, ticker symbol MMM as in Mary. And I'm wondering what you think of the exchange offer they're offering where they're splitting off their food safety business. I'm a shareholder in Triple M. I think I bought in the end of June. And I don't know whether I should accept or take part in their exchange offer. I wonder if you could give some insight. Thank you very much. Well, you're not going to have much choice. Uh, you're going to, if you own stock 3M, you're going to take part in the spinoff. Okay, that's just the way it is. Many big companies like 3M uh, do spin off parts of their business as years go by, uh, thinking that the businesses are not part of their core and that it's could stand the business could stand alone, or it's not, you know, it's going to it's not going to grow as fast, or it's growing so fast it needs. It needs its own management and needs its own uh, ability to produce, you know, funds to grow that part of the company. And that's kind of what I think the story is here for the spinoff for 3M. I would hold on to it. Uh, I think 3M is a great blue chip stock. Uh, they pay a 4% dividend, probably not going to change. Uh, I think I would take part in, in the spinoff because I like it. Uh, I like that that part of the business. Once it spins off after six months or a year, I take a closer look at the fundamentals of the spinoff and decide whether I want to keep the spinoff. Meanwhile, I'd hold on to 3M long term. It'd be one of my, you know, my uh, core holdings that I would never sell. Okay, that's what I would do. That's 3M MMM everybody, MMM. Uh, housing stats came out. Some housing stats. Uh, the housing starts report. Uh, it w- was 1.6 million the month before, and it has been going down month over month, but not crashing, but going down. So it was 1.6. They expected it to be about 1.52 million starts, and it's down to 1.45 now, falling hard. Uh, more importantly, you want to look at permits being issued for future construction. And so that's a leading economic indicator, permits. And it was 1.7 million. They expected it to drop to 1.63, and it, and it actually was 1.67, went up a little bit from the ex- expectation, but still down from last month. So housing is still weakening. Weakening, and we knew it was going to happen. Interest rates rising, and the Fed's probably going to raise interest rates again beginning of the next month. So don't think they're going to stop. I just think they might not raise them as much as you know. At one point, we expected them to. I think they might raise them a little slower, only because recent inflation news has been falling, and the price of oil is still falling. The price of gasoline at the pumps is falling. Penny a day, one or two pennies a day, it seems like, but it's falling for many weeks now. So that eases inflation pressure. I still think we got inflation. I still think it's going to be high, but it'll be less. It won't continue to grow. I think we're just going to deal with high inflation. We'll see. No one really knows. You know, I, I, that's just my opinion. I think that's what we're going to be dealing with high inflation, but I think we've seen a peak. But again, that's my opinion. No, it's also. 
you know, every you're going to read all kinds of different articles about that. But, you know, one of the drivers, big drivers of inflation is oil and gasoline prices. Okay, it is. Let's play another question, caller question from 888-99-CHART. What happens to uh, delisted stocks? Hi, Justin and Steve. This is Quentin from New Hampshire. I have a question about what happens to a stock that I have in my IRA that delists themselves. Two stocks that I have are China Petrochemical, SNP, and PetroChina, PTR. I have been holding them for a while. They've done just fine. They have a great dividend. They're going to be delisted or they're going to delist themselves. And I'm just curious what happens. Do they just get sold to me? I mean, at that point by my IRA holder or um, should I sell them before they get delisted? Thanks a lot. Great show. Okay. Um, okay. Now, it, it, different things can happen. Most of the time when a stock is delisted, it's the exchange kicking them off because their their finances are too weak and the price of stock is too low. So they kick them off, and then that trades on the pink sheets. It, tra- it still trades, but no longer trades on a an exchange like the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. Um, if the company wishes to do, delist themselves, um, I'm – I'm not positive, but I still think it's the same process. But let's say they don't go into pink sheets. Now what do you do? Well, your broker will have to now trade that stock wherever it's traded publicly, and that might be in, like, the Hong Kong exchange. And now it's going to be costly to you to to sell that stock because you're going to have to exchange it to Hong Kong dollars and then back into the U.S. dollars, and it gets messy, and there's going to be high fees. My personal opinion is you sell it before it delists so that you don't have to worry about it. That's what I would do, okay? And that's a danger when you own foreign stocks. Trading as ADRs, uh, you know, it, it, you don't know what politically, political things can happen to any stocks, ours here in the United States and elsewhere, but that's higher risk when it's foreign stocks traded on our exchanges, okay? Okay, let's make it um, two calls in a row. Hi, Duncan here. Uh, Thank you for everything that you do. My quick question is actually for banking. I know this is a financial podcast, and I know some other members were actually just calling about it. My quick question is, I have some cash reserved for a real estate investment, and what I would like to do is I would like to put it in a safe FDIC-insured type of investment vehicle. Uh, I've been looking at savings, checkings, and even CDs. I do know that in CDs, they should apparently have higher yields. But I just came across a checkings and savings account from SoFi Technologies, which is that like online bank. They actually offered 2.0 interest and yield. And some of these CDs that I've been looking at, like, again, you have to lock up the money for a certain period of time. And they're all only offering about like 1.5%. So my question is, this kind of sounds too good to be true because it's checking to save it's a little bit more liquid, but what questions should I ask so far, like in terms of like hidden fees and everything like that? Or do you guys recommend a bank that has like a better yield than 2.0%? Thank you very much. And looking forward to the answer. Bye. No, we don't recommend any banks at this point, but you know, there's nothing wrong with having banks in CDs or cash or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. Especially if you're, you targeted that money for a, Another type of investment. Uh, the only main thing I would concern myself is FDIC insurance. 
Is it is your money FDI insured? FDIC insured? And if it is, then SoFi Bank is fine. And I think I believe they are insured by uh, CIPIC. So I don't have a problem with that at all. Remember, banks are competing for your dollars. They all want cash in their coffers, and they want to they want the cash at the cheapest price they can pay for it. Okay, because they're going to take your cash and relend it out. So interest rates are rising. So CD rates, savings rates are rising. They seem to be rising much slower than you know interest rates that your people are paying, but that's the way it always works out. It's like oil. It goes up really fast. Your gasoline prices go up really fast, and they come down really slow. Same kind of principle. Okay? But no, I don't have a problem. SIPIC uh, insurance is what you're looking for. If it's insured, then your money is safe, and they're going to pay you a high rate. Okay, take it. I have no problem with that. Just make sure that, you know, you have, you know, easy access to it. You know, that's what I would be my big, one of my biggest concerns, and you probably will do. So at this point, I think it's safe to say that a lot of people are amazed on how talk environment has changed. The investment environment has changed. So in the, over the last couple three three years, but it, but it is changed. It has changed, and as investors, you've got to prepare to deal with reality. And I'm talking about the change in direction of interest rates. Very different. The change in uh, how work is conducted in the United States, people working from home, big changes. So I always take a minute or two to talk about us, Steve Peasley, that's me, and Justin Klein. We own KPP Financial. We're based in Irvine, California, in Orange County, in Southern California. That's between L.A. and San Diego. Uh, and I remind you that at KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So how do we implement, implement that? Well, one way is unbiased guidance. Another is our parallel investing concept, meaning that we invest right along our, our, with our own personal money alongside our clients' money. Same stock, same bond, same everything. I'm in all our programs with my money. So I encourage you to take advantage of the free offer we offer. We we will take a portfolio. We'll take a look at your portfolio. We'll do a review assessment via telephone, Skype, or go to meeting. And if you send us a message to investtalk.com, an email, or call our KPP financial office in Irvine, California, be happy to set up a, a quick phone call, a meeting, any way you want to do it. And you know, we'll see how you know. You'll see how we're different. We're, we do not try to sell something we're not pushers of this or that thing but we will look at your your portfolio with unbiased uh detail as to what you're doing and whether that you're comfortable doing taking the risk that you're taking we'll show you how much risk you're taking talk about your risk tolerance what you really want to take and see if that matches up so give us a call send us an email the sooner you do it the better we'll we'll take a look and we'll we, we really do want to help you make more money. I want to make more money. I want to help you make more money. Next up, another Invest Talk question, so hang on. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. When do I know the right time to take profits? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888 99 Chart. 
Hey, can I have your opinion on buying this stock for a long-term investment? W-Y, W-Y. Thank you so much. Okay, that's Warehouser Company. It's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that owns and controls 14.1 million acres of long-term valued timberlands and manufactured wood products. Okay, so they're going to make $3.13 this year, down from $3.31.37 last year. And next year, they're only going to make $1.60. Why? Because the housing market's turned, turned down. I wouldn't buy this stock. I would not, not at this point. Uh, they are $37 stock. They're going to make $1.60, okay, $1.60. And their range, five-year PE range is 9 to 80. Because remember when there was a shortage of wooded, wood products and stuff, and they made tons of money. That $3.37 last year and $3.13 this year, that's abnormal. 2020, they made $1.29. 2019, they only made 39 cents a share. So next year is a dollar sixty. I, I, it's you're past the cycle. No, I, I would stay away from it. I wouldn't. It's a twenty-seven billion dollar company. Nothing wrong with the company, but they only pay one point nine percent dividend. Not enough. Not enough. On the next investor, this story behind the question: Which sectors are likely to benefit or lose after the next tax law? That's tomorrow, everybody. For now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. My name's David from Portland. I was calling to see what your take is on Warner Brothers Discovery stock, ticker symbol WBD. I got shares just as part of the, I was an AT&T holder and then I got the stock as part when they sold off Time Warner. And I probably should have sold it right away. It's down like 40%. It seems kind of oversold to me now. But I was wondering what your professional take was on it. Should I dump it? Is it dead money? Or do you think it's going to turn around again? Thank you. Okay, this is Warner Brothers Discovery, WBD, standalone company, part of AT&T, and they spun it off, as he said. Offers original and purchase programming to the media and entertainment industries in the U.S., and I think you're right. I think your assessment is correct. It's probably hit a bottom at $13.69. It was 60 bucks. Now it's $13. Uh, it's going to it's gonna lose $0.15 cents a share this year and make $0.96 cents a share next year, so it's going to rebound. And, prob- and earnings. And sales are still rising. I mean, they're still, you know, positive. Uh, you can't go by the June June quarter of 221% because it was uh, something unusual happened there. But before that was 13% or 10% in that range. So um, if you still own it, I happen to own owned AT&T in my, in my managed accounts and some of our managed accounts and asking in my personal 401k, and we I sold off in my personal 401k uh, time Warner Brothers when AT&T spun it off because I didn't, you know, 
I didn't care to own the, this particular company. I didn't, and even though it's, it's a big company, $33 billion, they have lots of assets. So I do think it's probably bottomed or near bottom and probably will rebound. But, you know, I don't, I didn't want to hold it. I like AT&T and I still like AT&T and I still hold AT&T. Not this, not this spinoff here. Remember, the deal when they combined was AT&T is going to offer, you know, become a, a huge conglomerate of entertainment and telephone company combined because everything's going wireless, and they thought that was a great idea. And all they did was divert AT&T's attention from what they, what they do well, and that's providing telephone and data uh, wirelessly. Okay? So that's what I would do. Okay. Now, um, will consumer credit deepen our recession? Remember, we're technically in a recession. Uh, consumer credit rose to $40.2 billion. Uh, that was, no, it increased $40.2 billion in, in, in borrowing in, uh, in, uh, from May to June. That was a, almost a record increase of borrowing. So what's happened, What if i interpreting this right, everybody got used to spending more and more money because the government was giving money away. And then when the government start, started not giving it away, they're still spending the money they're addicted to spending by borrowing it, okay, through credit card companies or whatever else they do. That was the second biggest increase ever, by the way. So um, this debt that the consumers are taking on, there's a, going to be a point where they have to start paying it down. And that means they're going to have to stop spending at some point. And, of course, you know the consumer drives our economy. 66% of our economy is driven by consumer spending. So the question is, if they stop spending, will that throw us into a recession, deeper recession? Not a technical recession, a real recession or a broader recession, however you want to define it. And I think it probably could easily do that. Now, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen this year. I don't, but maybe next year. And what was really interesting, you remember the guy, his name was Michael Burry, the guy with the, big, the movie called The Big Short, where he shorted the housing in 2008 and made billions of dollars? Remember that guy? Well, he runs a fund. He runs a fund called Scone Asset Management. And it has like $900 million in it. He went to all cash because of this issue, debt issue. 100% cash. Uh, now, he takes big swings at things, so I don't know if that's very wise, but that's what he's doing, just, just reporting. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. And, of course, you can get those anytime you want at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and please be sure to rate us if you do download it from iTunes. On iTunes, you can rate us. We love the, any positive rating for our, helping our profile. We appreciate that. Independent thinking, shared success, everybody. This is Invest Talk. Have a great night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. 
Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.